We're talking today about influence. Um, we've been talking over this last month about what it means to stretch um, and prepare for the things that God has for us. And so in the next week, we're going to start a new series called Anchored, because we feel like there's this idea of being stretched to prepare for what God has for us, but then also to be anchored into the right things in the ways of God. And so we're going to start talking about that next week, so don't want to miss that. We are eight weeks from today from Easter, so that's exciting. So we're excited for Easter this year. We really feel like God um, is going to do something profound through, through that season, as we know that people only come to church typically Christmas and Easter, and so it's like Super Bowl Sunday coming up, you know? Or maybe the Super Bowl is Easter Sunday. I don't know. It's something like that. But, um, so I'm going to pray, and we're going to start here as we talk about influence. Lord, thank you that you are with us, that you love us, that you have incredibly great things planned for us today and throughout our lives. God, I ask that you would, um, just as we sing to close our worship time, uh, singing um, just one moment can change us. One whisper of your spirit, one touch of your love can change and transform us. It can change the whole trajectory of our lives and not just our lives, but the lives of others. So God, we ask for your spirit to speak right now in a real and profound way. And we love you so much. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. How many of you read leadership books? Anyone ever read like a leadership book? That's like a thing you do when you grow up. You read leadership books. And it's good. You should read leadership I got really kind of stressed out about leadership books because I've never saw myself as a leader. Like when I was a kid, I was never like the, the leader that has done all these things and whatever. Um, or I was never like the captain of anything. I just was a guy. You know, and then as I got and started reading leadership books, I started re realizing and asking questions like what actually is leadership? And my favorite definition of leadership is John Maxwell's definition, is that leadership is, all it is, is influence. Whenever you or I influence someone in any way, it is leadership. And so this whole the thing of, I know you all think, oh, I'm not a leader. I can never lead. I'm not a leader. Well, do you influence anyone ever? Yes. So it means you lead, right? And as followers of Jesus, we all have, all, we all have the mandate and the call of Christ to influence, our job, I think, as missional people on this earth is to influence people towards who they are supposed to be and to proclaiming the love and life of Jesus to this world. So all of us have been mandated and called and asked and prodded and cheered on by Jesus to say, hey, influence others for me. We are the ones that Jesus has entrusted this mission to. We entrusted his words to that we get to influence the people around us. So how do we... Do you ever wonder or pray or ask God for more impact, for more influence? You know, I was like trying to figure out like, what, what's next? Like, what do I, or what are the things that really energizes me? What's really the things that get me excited about life? And I was driving in my truck one day and I was thinking, I'm like, you know, if I'm not having an impact, then I feel like I'm not fulfilling the thing that God wants me to do. I know that's kind of broad, but you can have impacts, you can have an impact in tons of different ways. So, Today we're going to talk about how do we make more of an impact, how do we stretch our influence and uh, impact people more. So it's going to be good. Are you excited? Yes. Thank you for your enthusiasm. First thing. So we talked about a couple of things. There's three things I want to talk about. How do we expand our influence? Okay, these are ways that we, we've talked over the last couple of weeks um, about stretching our faith. We've talked about stretching our time. Last, last week we talked about praying bolder and stretching our prayers. And now we're going to talk about how do we stretch the outward expression of Christ's love to us. So the first thing, these are mandates from Christ. It says to go and tell. Okay, I was 20 years old, and I got really excited about Jesus for the first time. And I was like, and I grew up in the church. I was like born in the pew, and we went Sunday nights even, which was the worst. And we had to go to Wednesday nights and everything. And, um, and I was 20 years old before I knew what the Great Commission was. I've told this story before, but I was like, 
really frustrated by that. So I was, I was at a, listening to a preacher, and he's like, you know the Great Commission, right? What we're commissioned by Jesus to do. And I was like, I don't know what that is. What is that? Because all my faith was upbringing was make sure you don't screw up in sin so that God will love you, right? Or make sure that you don't, there was like three things you don't do, but everything else is kind of fine. And then it's okay. And make sure that you're pure, you know, like make sure you don't smoke cigarettes. Make sure you don't do these things, right? And I didn't know the Great Commission, which I think Jesus is more, more uh, serious about that than he is about our sin patterns of life, right? Because he knows that we all have that. And, he, and he's going to work in that area, and that's going to be great and wonderful, but he is more, it's more important for him to see what we do in the Great Commission. So the first thing he commissions us to do is go and tell. And this is Matthew 28. This is the end of his life. He's, he's risen from the dead. He's about to go to heaven. It says, Then the eleven disciples went to Galilee, to the mountain where Jesus had told them to go. And when they saw him, they worshipped him, but some doubted. Then Jesus said to them, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. So Jesus dies dead. Everyone sees him dead. Everyone sees him being buried, and the tombstone is rolled over. The, it's over, right? Three days later, there's, there's the, the stone rolls away. He's alive. He shows up to them several times, and then this is the last time he shows up to them, and they're just still like, what, did the, what is going on? They're kind of freaked out. This guy comes back to life, and they're like, okay, now are we going to, you know, be, are you going to become the king now and take out Roman Empire? What are you going to do? And he takes him to this mountain. He says, all of my authority I'm giving to you right now. And he says, therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey, obey everything I have commanded you. And surely I'm with you to the very end of the age. Which would be a confusing thing for them to hear. Because he's risen from the dead, and they're like, he's back. This is great. It's going to be awesome. He's like, okay, now I'm going to go. But what I want you to do is I want you to take what we just did for the last three years. I want you, as you're going, go do that more. Go spread out, not, not just in, in Jerusalem and Israel, but all over the whole entire world. That's what the Great Commission is. So the first way that we stretch our influence and we impact more people is to go and tell people the story of Christ. Now, this is scary. Anybody? Scary? Have you had someone come up to you and be like, hey, let me tell you about Jesus? Has, has anyone ever told, said that to you? I'm a pastor, and that weirds me out, right? It's like, yeah, whatever, weirdo, you know? Like, I wouldn't say that, no. But sometimes it is weird. Like, sometimes the way people present that, or I think so many times we were told just to do that, and it doesn't matter where that person is or what relationship you have with that person or don't even really care about that person per se, but just make sure you tell them about Jesus because what if that's the only time that they hear? That is fear, 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 not love, love, love. The Great Commission is meant for us to love and care about the life and the people in our lives and to go and show and tell the life of Jesus. Right? And there's times where the Holy Spirit prompts you very, very, very specifically to, hey, go tell someone this or someone that. I've had that happen in my life. It's terrifying. But whenever the Lord does that, it's always so cool and profound and fruitful, you know? But the word is, as you are going, wherever you go, go and share and show my love. As you are going, wherever you go. So how do you and I, as just normal people who maybe don't have all the right things to say all the time, or don't know, like, what if I talk about my faith a little bit, and then they ask me about this, and I don't know anything about that, what do I do? And it's like, not really the point. The point is that you love the people, and then you just go, wherever you are going, you are ready to share. I had a friend uh, who goes here. Her name is Janet. You know Janet? Janet and Dave, wherever Dave is. Um, 
And she came up to me last week. She's like, so I've been praying about having more impact in my workplace. I've been saying and praying, God, would you, sh- would you like let people see or give me opportunities to share that I am a follower of Jesus? And she's like, and then I had a meeting. And after the meeting, this guy that you would never expect came into my office and was like, are you a Christian? And she was like, uh, yeah. And not because she went and she understood this is how you share your faith. These are the ABCs. But she has been asking God to show the love of Christ through her each and every day, wherever she goes. And this guy who is, she said, she told me, if you knew this guy, you would laugh that he would see Christ in me. But because she asked and because she desired that, God's showing her, himself through her so people can know. And it, very, it takes no words. So how do you and I go and tell? The Holy Spirit is dwelling in me. The Holy Spirit is dwelling in you. And he's speaking and working and moving. And so I feel way less pressure in this stage of my life as a follower of Jesus to go and tell everyone about Jesus than I do any time in my life. Because I know that if the Holy Spirit is working through me and I'm building and growing in relationship with people that I actually love, that are not just projects to me, so I can be like, got another one, right? If I really honestly care about them, then I don't worry about whether I have to say the right thing at the right time because I trust that the Holy Spirit is going to give me the right words to say. And the relationship that I'm building is going to lend itself to the right time and the right place and the right opportunity and a not awkward, overly spiritual or whatever thing is going to happen. It's just going to be the right time and the right place. So my prayer for you is that you would see yourself as a commissioned person, not that you have to go and like, okay, first thing is to say that you're a sinner. Then what was B? Crap. I don't know what to do. You know, it's like not, have, not to have that pressure over you, but to go understanding that as you are going, you are commissioned. Wherever you go, you are already sent. As you are going, because you are indwelled with by the Holy Spirit, you are already equipped, and God will give you the opportunity and the time and the space to speak when you need to speak, and to serve when you need to serve, and to love when you need to love. And you can be like Janet, where she gets to have this experience of praying, God, would you just show me, show your love through me, and then for people to see it. That is, to me, the greatest testimony, that people can see it in and through you. First thing we do is we go and we go and tell. And I think everyone, God works through that and everyone a little different, right? Like the way I share my faith and share my, about who God is is different than the way you are going to. You know, it's like I'm super relational. Like there's friends I have friends with years and years and years, and God's just like prompting the right time and the right place. And these people are not projects to me. They're people I actually truly love. They're people that I would actually, truly lay down my life for. Not just that are, oh, they need it, so I better talk to them. Them sinners. If you ever have the thought of them sinners, you should say us sinners. Sidebar. Okay, next thing. This one's cool, too. So we search our influence by going and telling. As you're going, you just are allowing God to work and speak through your life. You don't have to have all the Bible memorized. You don't have to have all the right words to say. And sometimes you might say the wrong words, and it's okay. God's going to take care of it. He loves those people way more than you can, right? He cares way more about the destiny and life and purpose and future than you ever will. 
So he's going to work and, through, work and speak through you. Next thing is, so it's go and, go and tell. Next thing is come and see. This one's way more fun, I think. Or no, it's different. It's a different thing. So Jesus is at, he uh, he's, he's goes to this well. He's thirsty. It's the middle of the day. And there's this woman there. And if, the, if a woman is there in the middle of the day, it means that things are not going well. Right? Because in the desert, you don't want to go anywhere in the middle of the day. Anybody? Anyone been in the desert in the middle of the day? I'm not a heat guy. No, thank you. Right? So people would go in the morning. They would go and they would draw water from the well in the morning. That would be the water for the day. They'd get up early. They'd get there before the heat and the sun and everything would be bad. So this, this woman is there in the middle of the day. So it tells us that she is not accepted by the place that she came from. That she's not welcome or she feels ashamed or something is going on. And Jesus comes, just happens to show up at this time in this day. And she is there getting water at this well. Jesus comes to her and, she talk, and he does this thing, like this Jesus thing that he does. Where he does this figurative speech and it's like, wow, Jesus, you're so wise. And he says something about giving living water. And then it says this in verse 25. The woman said, I know that the Messiah called the Christ is coming. And when he comes, he will explain everything to us. And Jesus declared, the one that I'm speaking to, I am him. So Jesus comes and he says, he tells her to go get her husband. And she's like, I don't have a husband. And he's like, I actually had a couple husbands. And the guy I'm with right now is not my husband. So it's this kind of like, in that time and place, man, that was like very, very shameful. So the shame that you're seeing in her and the reason why she's rejected from her community, you're seeing it now. This is why. And Jesus doesn't cast her out. Plus, she's a Samaritan woman, and Jews and Samaritans were like, nope, you know, oil and water. And so Jesus has come and is telling her about that I'm going to give you real life, true life. And he, she says, well, I know there's this Messiah coming, which tells me that people are desiring to meet Jesus, to meet the Messiah. Whether their background is whatever their background is, whether they're full of shame or they're not, they're desiring to meet this person like Jesus. It says, just then his disciples returned and were surprised to find him talking with a woman. <gasps> a woman. That was a joke. <laughs> because Jesus radically changed the way people saw women. But no one asked, because they were smart, what do you want or why are you talking with her? Because they learned after a while, don't ask Jesus questions because he'll turn them on you and it's not fun. And then this is, this is the important thing. Then leaving her water jar. So she came specifically to get water. Leaving her water jar, the woman went back to the town and said to the people, come and see the man who told me everything I ever did. Could this be the Messiah? And they came out to the town and made their way towards him. So this woman, the, the purpose she comes to the well, she leaves it because she experiences this, a life transformation, a change, a spark, a moment where everything changed. And she goes back, and this person who's there in the middle of the day so she could avoid other people because she's ashamed of who she is and what she's done or what she's going through or whatever's going on in her life. And it's probably been uh, rejected by people in her life. All of a sudden, she runs home. She says, come and see this guy. All of a sudden, she, her shame is turned to boldness. And all of a sudden, she's like the ambassador for that city. Come, drop what you're doing. Let's go. Come and see this guy. That's what happens in a moment where we experience Jesus. When you and I have experienced Christ, and we've been growing, and we're, we're becoming more like him, and we're experiencing his presence, all of a sudden, we just don't have to all of, have all of the answers. We just say, come and see. Come be a part of what I'm a part of. And all the shame and all the frustration and all the rejection that I've gone through, now I can go and be bold and say, listen, I was a mess and now we're going to 
be messes together. Let's go talk to them. Come and see who this person is. Now, this is cool. It says, many of the Samaritans from that town believed in him because of the woman's testimony. Many of the Samaritans believed in him not because they all of a sudden theologically got it. Or all of a sudden that all of their doubts about faith and the past and the social structure of religion made sense all of a sudden. That's not why they believed in Jesus. Why, the reason why they believed in Jesus is because of the person's testimony. Because they saw this woman who had been rejected and had been probably abused and has been, was in that time, in that place, known as probably the lowest of the low. You, they saw her change 180. They're like, well, I want to I I connect with him because of that. I've like, people have wanted to debate, debate me about faith and stuff, and that's great. We can talk about that. I love talking to people about faith. I even like, I love talking to people that don't believe. It's the most fun because it's not my job to make them believe. It's just my job to love and to talk. So what it comes down to for me sometimes, like, you know, a lot of those things are good questions. I don't know, but all I know is what God has done in my life. All I know is that I was very, 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 very much dejected. And I was very much purposeless, and I felt so worthless all of the time. And I felt like I had blown every opportunity I've ever had all of the time, and God changed that, and he's used me for, in profound ways. And if I would just pray 100%, man, what could he do? So not because of how all the eloquent words that you can say, or not because of you can explain everything perfectly, but because of the testimony of your life is how people are going to come to know who God is. They said to the woman, we no longer believe because of what you said. Oh, I'll go back. They, they believed in him because of the woman's testimony. He told me everything I did. So when the Samaritans came close to him, they urged him to stay with them. And he stayed two days. And because of his words, many more became believers. Now get this. So the initial thing that connected them is that she invited him to come and see. This is what happened in my life. This is the way I was. This is how I am now. Come and see what's going on. This is amazing. Trust me. You're not going to get it all. It's gonna, I don't get it all either, but something's happened. Come and see who this guy is. And Jesus, who would not change his path for basically anyone. If you read the Gospels, Jesus very, very few times would say, oh, let's stop and let's go do this thing that people want him to want to do. He would say, nope, I'm actually going to go do this thing next. When you read the Gospels, read how many times Jesus says no to someone. Read how many times Jesus just keeps on his path, even though people want him to go this way or that. But this time specifically, he went and spent two days with these people, and many people became followers of Jesus. And then this would happen. This is what happens. Then they said to the woman, we no longer believe just because of what you said. But now we have heard for ourselves, and we know this man really is the savior of the world. So, expanding our influence is so natural and normal. We, we invite people to come and see. And then what they realize is not just because of Aaron's faith or Rachel's faith or whoever's faith story or whatever. It's because when they come and see, when they come and connect to a body of believers, when they sit in chairs and they come to groups and they're part of this community of people, it's not just of what they were heard, but all of a sudden they experience. It's not just because of what, what you told me. Now I've experienced. Now I know. This guy, is, he's the savior of the world. That This Jesus we sing of, no other name, is the savior of the world. Not just because of what you've told me or what you've tried to persuade me to do, but all that you did was you came and you invited me to come and see. 
And that's something anyone can do at any time. It's to invite people to come and see. We no longer believe just because of what you said. Now we have heard ourselves, and we know that this man is the Savior of the world. Many of you came because you were invited. You know, you, someone bugged you. Like, just, keep, just come, come on. Some of you just drove by, like, this church looks weird. Let's go there. Let's check it out. Right? And you don't, stay, you don't stay just because of all the cool stuff we got going on, right? You stay, and you're connected, and you're part of this family because Jesus is real. And we know because we've experienced him. And so how do you expand your influence? Just invite people to come and see. Just invite people to come and be a part of this thing. Low pressure. You can wear shorts, sweatpants. I don't care what you wear. Let's just do this, right? Come and see. I wish when I was young, I would just be told, not in like a, I want to bring your friends so our youth group can be really big, right? But come and experience who this God is. Experience what I have because it's good. It's exciting. Are we doing okay? Yeah. Good. Anybody can do that. All right, last thing. Then we are going to go home because it's beautiful out. One of the things that we really feel as a church um, when it comes to our, our, so remember a couple weeks ago I did the big rocks thing where I put the big rocks in first and put the rock, small rocks around it. So as a church, we, we have basically uh, four big rocks, four things that we prioritize as the most important thing because as a church, I can tell you it's easy to do lots of good things, Right? But we've decided there's four things that are really, really, really important. The first thing is our kids and our youth, our young people. Like that is probably, that's number one. That's the first thing that goes in. That's why we're trying to get this room done sooner than later, right? Um, we really value, we believe the next generation. They say that people, if they don't hear the gospel uh, in a real and profound way, before they're 12, they're like 80% less likely to ever come to know Christ or to experience biblical foundation. So we think that's really important, Right? Um, the next thing is our celebrations, our time here. Uh, that This is fun. This is great. This is important. Corporate worship, hearing the word of God together, filling up to be sent out. Uh, the next is our neighbor groups. We have several groups that get together, and we have a good time, and we eat lots of food, and it's fun. If you want to be a part of that, let me know. And then the last thing is our 23 shares, and that's our partnerships in the community. And one of the things that we want to, we really, we really feel like God is like, take that whole ministry is just kind of like growing and expanding, and we're getting more opportunities, and it's kind of terrifyingly awesome. Right? And so how do we as people focus in on what are the main things that we can do? And so one of the things that we're going to do this year with 23 Shares, we feel that for us to grow and become who God wants us to be, we really feel like we need to know Jesus, right? That's part of this is our mission, to know Christ personally. Then we need to grow together in community. And the last thing is we need to learn how to share our faith and share who we are and share with the community. So one of the ways that we can practically do that is we're going to ask all of y'all, to um, say, I'm going to be part of 23 Shares, which we're, we're going to call Inside Out, where we serve once a month inside the body, and then we commit to serve once a, once a month outside in the community. Because we believe that serving is not just for this time and this place in this building, but it's for what we can do to be the ambassadors of Christ wherever we go. So when people ask, how do I grow? How do I know if I'm like in the vein of what the mission is? Well, I say, are you, do you feel like you're connecting with Jesus personally? Do you feel like you're in a group? And then are you serving inside and are you serving outside? So we're going to ask everyone, if you will, if you please, to serve once a month inside this body in some capacity, inside the church. And then also to serve, to commit to serving once a month outside the church in the community, some, some capacity. Many of you already do that, so I'm not, this is not adding another thing to your list. But if you're like, we believe if we're going to connect the community to Christ, that we are supposed to be people that are serving the community. 
right? That we're not just like, we come in here and talk about doing it, and then we don't practically end up doing it. Not that you do that, but some of us do. And then, but we want to say practically, this is what, this is what it means to fulfill our mission. I serve my church once a month, at least, and then I go and I serve my community once a month, at least. So we're going to provide, um, if you have your YouVersion Bible app, if you go to our events page on that, there's a little link on there. You can put your email in that little link area and then pick a place where you'd like to serve. And then monthly, Tina and our 23 Shares team is going to send you an email about, hey, these are an opportunity for you to serve in the community this month. Like in May, we're already signed up to help with Putnam at this uh, Cinco de Mayo event, which is going to be a blast. Um, but we're going to pro provide opportunities so that we can give you practical steps to serve the community, to be an ambassador to Christ. So when you are in those areas, you can go and be like Jesus, and then you can invite people to come and see. Right? So if you want to go on that on your phone, look at you phone people. Good job. You can go on your phone in church. It's okay. I will allow it. But if you want to fill that out, give us an email. Also, we're just trying to get everyone's email because we want to do a better job if we have things like the Homeward Alliance uh, drive, which we collected tons of stuff for. Thank you guys so much for doing that. Or if we have this special, like a need that comes up that we really need to help with, we can do that at the t in a timely manner, not just wait till Sunday or blast it on Facebook. So that's the, these are some things that are really important to us. I'm going to read one more verse about serving, then we're going to go. You guys can come on up. Team worship players. Jesus says this. Jesus called them together and said, you know that the rulers of the Gentiles, so, so what happens is uh, the disciples come, they're like, okay, which one of us is the best, Lord? Which one of us is the best? I mean, I'm the closest to you. I'm always there helping you out. Which one of us is the best? And then Jesus turns and he shifts it and he says this to them. He says, Jesus called them together and said, you know that the rulers of the Gentiles lord it over them, and the high officials exercise authority over them. So Jesus is saying, when you don't use your influence for kingdom-minded things, you tend to use it to politic yourself or maybe give yourself a little more exposure or give yourself a little bit more platform. And he said, that's not the point of influence. The point of influence is this, but not so with you. Instead, whoever wants to be great among you must be a servant. And whoever wants to be first must be a slave. Just as the Son of Man did not come to serve, be served, but to serve and give his life as a ransom for many. So my prayer for you guys and for me, and I was praying this morning, just, man, how can I expand my influence? How can I, what avenues am I not feel like I'm portraying Christ's love the way I should? Or who is it time for me to, invite to come and see. Come be a part of this thing. Come, come check out my church. Come check out this place. The coffee's great. The people are nice. You know? Uh, today we're eight weeks away from Easter. So my challenge for all of us would be that first that we would sign up to serve once a month inside the church and once a month outside. If you're terrified about serving with kids, uh, let me just tell you. Jesus, uh, when Jesus is talking about what you should be like in the kingdom. He brings all the kids around him and he, they sit in his lap and kids are crazy. So they're probably playing with his ear and his beard or whatever, you know. He said, and he just says like, this is what the kingdom is all about. Coming to me like a child. And so you don't have to know like all the Bible stories or have a very kid-like disposition. You just have to go and just love and help and serve. 
So my first prayer for you is that you would sign up to serve in one of those areas. There's three areas we really could use help, and it's with greeting, and it's with our media and tech, and it's with our kids and youth. Serve once a month. We promise we won't make you serve every week unless you want to. And the second thing is that you would start to look as you are going to the people you are around, and you would ask God, all right, who do I need to invite to come and see? Maybe you put on your prayer list, like, hey, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to invite five people to Easter service, or we're going to invite inviting people to church, or inviting people to come over to my group, or whatever it is. Like, we'd start to own this, all of us, not just me or a couple others, but that we would all see ourselves like, man, this is my opportunity, it's my mandate, it's my commission by Jesus to go and to tell and to invite people to come and see who this God is. And anyone can do that. So would you pray? Would you commit to me with, with me? Because I'm doing that. For eight weeks till Easter. Who are you going to invite to be a part of this on Easter? Then after Easter, we're going to do the Elephant in the Room series again, which should be fun. And we're going to discuss lots of cool things, and people will love that. So would you pray for that? Would you partner with me to pray for who needs to come and see? Because what will happen is they will... They'll be like, you know, I came because I really liked you and you're really nice and you, you know, you're not judgmental and you just let me think and believe what I believe. But I really know now because I've met and experienced Jesus. I've met and experienced that he is the savior of the world. And all this religious stuff that I've seen that's all messed up, or maybe my background, which is all messed up, now I'm really seeing for the first time who this savior is. So let's, uh, let's stand together. We're going to pray for that and then we're going to sing. Does that sound good? Okay, are we all right? Are we challenged? Are we like, I'm not doing that or what are you thinking? Let's do it, team. Jesus, thank you so much, Lord. God, I thank you that you did not just uh, save us, Lord, so that we can be saved and set free and we can someday go to heaven, but you've also commissioned us to be a part of your ministry on this earth, to be a part of your purpose that, that you came to live. So God, thank you that you've given us relationships and people in our lives that you've put in our lives for a very specific purpose to show your love to. That is why we are here. We are here to tell and show and share the love of Jesus and we are invited we, we get to invite people to come and see the Savior that we've experienced. And we do that by serving, we do that by sharing, we do that wherever we go, Lord. So would you just speak to our hearts and our minds? First of all, God, a place where we could serve in our church and in our community. And would you speak into our minds people that you are asking and you're whispering and tapping on our shoulder to come and see who the Savior is. We just believe that that's what you've asked us to do. So Jesus, I pray that you would speak as we sing here. You'd speak to us in real profound ways. And we sing and we remember how great you are. So God, show us names, show us faces, show us opportunities. God, we pray that this is not just one person or two people that hear from God, but we can all experience you in your voice and your, your words in real profound ways. So we ask, Lord, for you to speak as we sing.